This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Get up, get up, get up. It's the Get Up Show. Can we, do you feel like the the theme song, uh, you know what, We do you feel like the theme song, you want to talk about it on here? Do you want to have this be part of the, the podcast? I think it already is, bro. Oh, <laughs> hey, <Podcast>. welcome. <laughs> is this it? Are we doing it? Yeah. Oh, hey, welcome to the 11th one of these. It's Sean and Charlie and Maddie on hi, the hi. Simon Says Podcast. We're the Get Up Show and we're so dang tickled to be in our homes talking to you from where we are. Do you guys think that we should shorten up the Get Up Show theme song even further? It seems to be shouting at me. I wonder if it should just be, get up, get up, get up, it's Get Up Show, and then we start talking. Or or do you think it's okay? I think that works for this, because people know what they're getting into. In in our normal everyday show, sometimes people need that to, oh, oh, wait, okay, I'm waking up, I'm getting going. But on this, we could shorten it up a little, yeah. So are we going to say then that, by the time someone's actually hearing this part, it'll have already been shortened because I'll probably do it before. <laughs> oh, good. As, as I do this. So you've already heard the short version. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah. And if that one's, you know, too short for you, I'm sorry, but we're, we're, we're moving fast here. We're part of this new, <laughs> it's the 90s and we're moving fast. We're part of this information age. You know, we're dot coms and dot govs and dot orgs and dot edus. As soon as you think you know what's going on, it all changes. I just wrote down short intro. Consider it done. And it already happened in the future past. Relationship experts are telling people how to save their relationships while living together during the lockdown. Here are a couple of these. You guys are currently in relationships. I am not. So I have nothing to save. Okay, got it. <laughs> well, <laughs> too late. My boyfriend is an essential employee. He's an electrician, so he's still leaving the house every day to go okay. to work. And yeah. so we're not dealing, we're not getting on each other's nerves too badly yet. Okay. Here's one that uh, I wanted to tell you guys about. They say that it's good for you to, in your own home, while you're sequestered with your loved one, create a complaint box. Everyone is more annoying in close quarters, but bombarding your spouse with minor complaints won't help anyone's nerves. Instead, find a box and physically put all your complaints in it each day. Then, when the weekend comes, when you have a clearer (laughs) head, you can look through them and see if any are actually worth discussing. 
and then swiftly burn it because this will break up your relationship. But I thought the whole thing about a complaint box was it's supposed to be anonymous, but she knows what my handwriting looks like, and I definitely know what her know what hers looks like. So no. it's not like it's anonymous. Who said this? <laughs> yeah. Oh, who wrote this? It's this same person keeps putting more stuff in here. Hasn't, no. hasn't wasn't me yet. That's no, weird. No, but you're missing the point, bruh. What yeah. you're doing is you're keeping the box to yourself. You're writing these complaints before you say them out loud. You're giving yourself a couple of days to think about it, to process it, then read them again before Uh-oh. you bombard them with your various complaints. Like how I've now learned how to write emails, and what I do is I write them fast and furious, but then I stop and I reread and make sure I didn't come off like too much of an a-hole. There you go. Pretty much. (laughs) Sleep on it a bit before I send. Yeah, so now do that at home. But then the other thing is, if you have your complaint box and you're filling it up with complaints, you better throw them away before your other person finds that box full of complaints. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Swiftly burn, because none of them, none of them are worth what it's going to turn into. But that's How about a valid point, one? man. You don't ever want them to find it if you haven't had a chance to set up, you know, and premise it. Like, <laughs> you have to explain it. How about this one? A reconciliation walk. It's hard not to take the stress of work into the evening with you, especially when there's no physical separation between work and home. So why not take a stroll with your spouse after work each day to talk through any negativity and start your family time with a clean <laughs> slate? I, did. I hardcore did that last night. With your significant other or not? Yeah, no, I. Well, she was along for the ride. She, I didn't really give her much opportunity to weigh in on things. I was like, let me just explain a few things, and then I oh. unleashed. And but again, but we've been trying to do that anyways, just to get out of the house. So we've been taking yeah. the dogs for a walk every night. But yeah, I definitely be like, how's your day? Okay, now here's mine. <laughs> now I think it's probably better to just take your own individual walk, and walk it off. Just mutter. I've been. <laughs> I've been doing that my, by myself. I've been doing my walk here at the house with my homemade treadmill with soap on the floor, soap and water on the floor. <laughs> it really works great. You know, I'll exercise bet. and you have the cleanest feet ever. Yeah, but I'm getting some of that dull soap buildup over there on my treadmill spot. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Here's another one. One daily free pass. Nobody is your best self at the moment. Cut each other a little slack by issuing each partner a daily free pass. Make two free pass cards. Once a day, hand it over to your spouse when you've done something stupid and or something mean or forgotten to do something you promised. That's and that like, just erases what you just did as a jerk? Yeah. That's like oh, that's I love it. When you say, like, no offense, but... Yes, that's right. <laughs> no offense, okay. But you look terrible. <laughs> here's, so, your, here's your card. <laughs> so my boyfriend just did something that royally ticked me off, but he hands me that card, so I'm just supposed to immediately get over it? Yeah. Yeah, no. yeah he gave you the card. <laughs> yeah. Work that way. Look, he's got a free pass. Come on, it says on there, free pass. <laughs> we need to keep those for real life, too. Yeah, amen. Uh, sorry, officer. Here, I got this. <laughs> I'm not having the best day. Because <laughs> that's how it works, for sure. Mm-hmm. The lockdown commute. Commuting can be miserable, but it's also an opportunity to reflect on the day to come and get in the right headspace for work. You can mm-hmm. recreate the same effect, even if you're stuck at home. Get dressed for work. Pack a lunch. 
kiss your partner goodbye, and then walk around your yard. When you return, it's work time. Do the same thing to get back into home mode at the end of the day. Because the neighbors won't think that's weird at all. Especially if you're moving your hands around like a steering wheel in the air and going... Carrying your little lunch bucket. Look, all neighbors are weird right now. I don't care what anybody thinks. Everybody's weird. Everybody's doing weird stuff, you know? You know, I kind of do that. We have this thing called the Life360 app that we got so we could keep track of the kids. And it, one of the things it will do is notify when one of us leaves the house and goes to work and that kind of thing. And so my work is in the basement. So what I do is like, okay, I'm going to the office. And as I'm walking downstairs, I go, Matt has left the house. And then I go, Matt has arrived at the office. And just yell it out. So we know that I've, I've commuted. That's nice. That's pretty cool, actually. All right, here's the last one. The invisibility sweatshirt. Each partner chooses a special sweatshirt. When the other spouse sees you in it, they have to pretend you are invisible. No talking to them. No looking at them. No asking a question. It's the marriage version of an invisibility cloak, a creative way to build in distance without having to verbally request it. (laughs) Oh, I see you put on your invisibility sweatshirt. Don't want to talk to me. Don't want to hear what I have to say. I mean, come on. This is not going to be a good idea. I'm the worst because the first thing I thought of when you said that was I'll put it on and then like she'll go in to use the shower and likes to be alone. So I'll come (laughs) in and stand in the bathroom. She's like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, invisibility sweatshirt. You don't see me. I love it. Like that's, I'm that's not her. here. She's not a big fan of it. You know, she wants to be left alone. And then I'll just start coming in and hanging out in the room. Like, really? And I'm like, yeah, I've got my invisibility sweatshirt on. Thank you very much. Yeah, and then it works everywhere. You can be invisible just going through your life, you know, picking up whatever you want at the store and walking out, you know. Totes. Just, I just walking feel around like invisible. People are going to put these on <laughs> like when you're already about to start a fight. And you're going to be like, like you're starting to pick on each other's nerves and then I go put it on and then that's just going to make it worse. Well, there's a few tips. These are some relationship savers. These might just keep you, uh, love will keep us together, but you're invisible during these trying times. So tell them you heard it on the Simon Says podcast when they ask you, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) I heard it on the podcast. You know, the. That's one thing we were thinking about was, you know, part of the stir crazy aspect of all this is just the fact it's like, it's that desire to go somewhere out, you know, go somewhere else and get away or go do something. And, you know, you can't. So you kind of get a little nuts, but then you try to find stuff. Like you said, you know, go walk around your yard, go walk around your neighborhood, get out of the house. I like, I'll go walk outside, stare out, you know, stare at a tree for a minute just to change my scenery. But sure. But I, I hate to say this again, but I have this conversation with my cousin, Mark, who we grew up like brothers. And so we talk almost every day. And for the two of us, this is really not a change in our routine other than the three of us, the get up show, not being together every day. My routine, my lifestyle has not changed. I get to see my shows. I get to not be around people. I get to do everything that I do on a normal day. Boom. This is my life. What about people who already worked from home? They're like, what? What's what are you talking about? What's going on? Exactly. <laughs> they already were doing it. 
Exactly. I love, I saw one of those, uh, one of those little things, a post on Facebook the other day where the guy says, Hey, how about all of you non-essential people? When y'all go back to work, us essentials will take a month of quarantine and sit around while you go back and do everything. Quite honestly, they deserve it. They definitely deserve it. I mean, well, I don't even, I don't even mind working from home on the element of, I kind of like the way I got everything set up now. I don't mind being in the basement. It's not that bad. It could be worse. But I do. I was going through a a moment, and I I think I said something to Sean. Actually, I think I said something to you. I actually, this is genuine. I miss you guys. I know. I really, it's weird. to be like that, but it's, it's that, yeah, we communicate every day. We do the show like we normally do, and we do, like, the podcast, and we do our Zoom things, but... It's the it's like the we're we'd be in our offices yelling at each other back and forth throughout the day. Yeah. It, yeah, I definitely miss that. I mean, I well, that that aspect of it. Yeah, 100%. If you had asked me 6 months ago, you know, do you want to work from home and do your broadcast or whatever? I'd be like, "Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be cool. I don't have to, you know, drive to work and stuff." And now I'm kind of like I never thought I'd say this, but I miss that. I miss being there. I I can just tell you guys that I definitely don't Okay, great, then. We'll just keep doing this. Honestly, more than anything, I want to know what's going on in the office fridge right now. It has got to be amazing. Ooh. I doubt I, anybody cleaned it out before we all evacuated. I feel like it was pretty well cleaned out because Annie was down on her hands and knees oh, throwing things yeah, away. Yeah, I remember she gave it a good scrub just like two oh, weeks before this all yeah. happened. Man. And then, And I will tell you two because I can trust you two. And I won't be too embarrassed. My last day in there before we had to get out of there, I stole some green beans out of the freezer because I was like, ain't nobody coming back for no green beans. Uh, it's too bad the bag of corn is long gone. Oh, I really I, I had a special bond with that bag of corn for people out there who don't know about the bag of corn. It started out as kind of a joke. It was a bag of loose corn. For some reason, it was a giant freezer bag. It was at least a gallon a bag. Yeah, it was a gallon. Yeah. It was a gallon Ziploc bag on the counter and it had corn in it. And I'm not, I don't mean like corn on the cob. It was corn off the cob and it looked as if it had been scraped off the cob. And I mean, scraped thoroughly to where it was almost homemade cream corn. And it was sitting on the counter loose right there, not in the fridge, but on the counter. And it sat there long enough for it, for it to become a, an item of concern. Why is this corn still here? Didn't someone finally put it in the fridge? Yeah. yeah, I did. I did a few times. And then we took it back out. <laughs> and then we, put a, then we put some signs on it. But my favorite was is that I even got to the point where I was trying to see if I could make a T-shirt out of it. I took a yeah. picture. I photoshopped everything else out of it. And went to one of those like custom ink sites. And I mocked yeah. up a shirt with just a bag of, <laughs> bag of corn on it. Yeah. And then I was trying to convince you, I think at one point, Sean, that we should do that as our new Simon shirt. <laughs> like our Simon logo. says corn. It was our logo in a bag of corn. <laughs> and then, you know, it's it's just like a lot of things in life that you you take it for granted when it's there. You just get used to it being there. And then you come into work one day and you go into the kitchen oh. and the bag of corn is gone. And you realize, I never appreciated you, corn, like I should have. I, I never took the time. <laughs> You know, I didn't get to, <laughs> to have a conversation to let no, I you talk know how to much it. you meant to me. That's what I didn't do. I talked to it a lot, but I didn't I say the right why things. Oh, of say goodbye. 
<laughs> Some boys Two bag of coal. Oh, wait. We can't do too much of that on a podcast. Otherwise, I'll get oh, flagged yeah. by boys to right. men. Um, that was less than 15 seconds. Plus, they wouldn't have recognized that. They wouldn't have known we were singing their song. <laughs> I, know, I thought it was pretty dead on. Yeah. So, anyway, we all were at some point in our lives in the restaurant business, which, God bless them, the restaurants who are hanging on right now doing takeout. We all know somebody who's in the restaurant business. And the way that they have moved their business model is amazing. The way that some of them are just cranking out great food in to go, they're double wrapping to make it safe, and they're bringing it out to the curb in a lot of cases. Or, they have gone from sit-down table restaurants to delivery restaurants literally overnight. It's amazing what these people have done, and they're busting their butts. And there's a couple, I know of at least two restaurants in downtown Winston-Salem who have also become a, become a market. So you yeah. can go and you can buy chicken from them or even toilet paper or other supplies that they have there in the restaurant. They're selling them to the public. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's, that's what's most interesting. So we had that thing about, you know, uh, on the show where it was like your job, or your first job in three words, and that got me thinking. And I think that we've all kind of worked in the restaurant business in some yeah. aspect, haven't we? Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, everybody is being hit by this, but it's really like a special place in my heart for like the industry, the restaurant industry, only because that was my, that was it. I, I did that. That was my, my backup for the longest time and still kind of is. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah. I've still thought, well, if this radio thing doesn't yeah. work out, could I go back to bartending? Yeah, and, I think I could. And the other thing is, it's it's also, I, I don't disagree with that, and I kind of am right there with you, but for me, it's been a dream of mine, you know, to go to the Eastern Shore and open up a little lunch place, maybe do like a brunch lunch thing, and then get out of there and not have the nightmare of having to be in there all day and all night right, and watching right, the right. back door. But I've always wanted to have a little restaurant of my own where I can have my recipes. I've been working on a menu for my whole life, basically, and I, th- I still think it would be a lot of fun until it isn't anymore, and then I'll stop doing it. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, I had a long talk with my wife about how everything I learned about work ethic and how to work and jobs and, and working in situations all came from the restaurant industry. And I'm like, God, I would love it if the kids would do that. And she was like, yeah, but what else did you learn from the restaurants? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I learned a lot of neat things. About a lot life. about drinking, a lot about <laughs> yeah. how to function while doing other things. Yeah. So it was kind of a, it was like, a, well, you know, you can learn a lot, but you can really learn a lot. One of the good things you learn about being in the restaurant industry is you learn a lot about other people and you learn how to treat people because you see, like I used to always say that every person should have to work some type of a service job for yes. six months of their life after getting out of high school or after getting out of college or whatever, because you can tell the people who've never had to serve others. You know, like I'll walk into a restaurant and, you know, maybe it takes a while for the food to come out and I can look around and I can check tabletops. Like how many people are at each table? How many people look like they ordered at once? How many tickets are hanging from the window in the kitchen? If I can see that, like I, I can break it down so fast and I can tell the difference between, Hey, they're just busy or they're just awful. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You can just tell by looking around. Well, a lot of times there's not even anybody running the front of the house. You've got one person trying to run the kitchen in the front of the house, and maybe they're also cooking, and maybe they're also waiting a table. You know, there's a right and a wrong way to do this. 
I worked at a place one time that was a basically a one person. I've worked in a couple places that was like a one person kitchen. Mm-hmm. And just yeah, I take the order, I go back, I cook it, I go back out. <laughs> you know, that kind of, and, and it was a mess because I was also in college and things got weird. But the point is that you know you start to assess that, but. It was just, I mean, I love that adrenaline, like those real busy. I worked at a restaurant in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. It was like a tourist town during the summer. And we would get just absolutely crushed every night, just Mm -hmm. balls to the wall. And you get done, and it was that sense of accomplishment. And just like, yeah, yeah, we did that. Like, we we didn't, there was no way we were going to cook all those nachos, but we did it. Well, dude, tell about the... The old guy who came in and told you how to run the hot water down the drain. Don't don't be boring and just tell us generalizations. Tell us some stories, some war stories from the restaurant biz. That one was funny because that was when I first moved to North Carolina from New Hampshire, and that was a huge culture shock in so many ways. But I started <laughs> working at this place called the Old Town Draft House, which is still there, and they're doing great. You know, they're hanging in there right now. Um, but yeah, so there was a problem with the drains. So they called their drain guy, who was this just crazy old mountain guy. <laughs> and he came in and was like, I don't mean to go. And I was like, I- I'm sorry. Boomhauer? And so, yeah, it was it was Southern Boomhauer. And then it was it was like, they're like, oh, here, Maddie, you go deal with him. And so I had to stand there with this dude. And I would catch every third word. So it would be like, in a bucket, hot water, pour down here. And I'll be like, okay, I got bucket, hot water, drain. Got it. Or, you know, he said, I'm just buying Nobody wants to do this job. Super, super job. I'm like, yeah, man, that's tough. And I just sat there. And when it was all said and done, and he fixed everything and he left, they all just fell out laughing so hard because I was just looking at him like, what was that? (laughs) (laughs) Your initiation in the South. (laughs) Yeah, that was crazy. My favorite, like some of my favorite stories were in New Hampshire. My first job was as a manager at a, at a food stand at, it was, it was wet and wild, but it's not affiliated with our wet and wild. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. I take that back. It's called water country, water country, USA. Have some fun. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, but they made me a manager right out of the gate. I was like 18 managing adults and it was like the Wild West <laughs> and just you name it. Like there was a kid. I think I told the, told the story on the air where a kid thought it would be awesome and hilarious to take a soft serve ice cream cone and throw it directly into a fry later because that's how you make fried ice cream. But I don't know if you've ever dropped. You know, if you've been cooking with hot oil and water gets in the pan, you know, it bubbles and pops. Yeah. Right. Like, don't throw ice into hot oil. Yeah. So if you throw a soft serve ice cream into uh, <laughs> a fryer later, pretty much everyone ex- evacuate the kitchen. <laughs> so, oh, my gosh. Real quick. Uh, we had a guy who he cleaned the grill with Windex. That's not oh, what no. we do. <laughs> we, we found a mouse living in our ice cream machine. Oh, that was super cute. He won't eat much. Though they had the cotton candy stand, which was really fun because, you know, the cotton candy would whisk through the air and be everywhere, but so would the bees. So <laughs> by the end of the day, you'd have equal parts bees and cotton candy on your clothes. <laughs> but nice. it was all, I mean, that was the thing. It was all troubleshooting and problem solving and, and, and stuff like that. It was insane. 
You also learn in in jobs like that, like stuff that you just think must be common sense really isn't just like with Mm. the ice cream and the fryer later. But we had this girl who um, we kept like, you know how in most restaurants they keep all the condiments in one refrigerator. So it's like ranch and barbecue sauce and this and that and the other. Well, we served uh, like a hot fudge sundae as a dessert. And so she went in there and she she hadn't been working there long and you had those wait staff had to make our own Sundays. So threw the ice cream in, there's the hot sauce or the chocolate sauce on the top, blah, 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 goes to serve it to the table. And a couple minutes later, the table calls somebody else over and they're like, um, excuse me, this smells like barbecue sauce. She had grabbed the oh, barbecue nice. sauce and poured it on top of ice cream. Oh, I love it. Like didn't she even pay attention. New. Yeah. <laughs> No. <laughs> One of my favorites of all time was we. I worked at, this is another kitchen in New Hampshire, where we're, we're super busy. We had a dishwasher, and this kid showed up. We'll call him Bobby. I don't remember what his name is, but we called him Bobby. So Bobby shows up, and he's washing dishes, and he, he looks at my manager, and he's like, hey, I'm going to take a smoke break. I'm going to step out. And he's like, all right. So Bobby steps out, and we're, we're, we're going for a minute, and we realize after a while, time has passed, and he hadn't come back down, but you know we're pretty busy, so it's like not like anybody's gonna go look for him. It's like I'm sure he, maybe something happened, or whatever. Well, all of a sudden the phone rings, and someone's like, "Timmy, phone," and I, my buddy Tim goes over, and he's like, "Huh? What? Oh, okay, all right, bye." And we're like, "What was that?" He's like, "That was Bobby. He called in sick." <laughs> dude, dude had been there working, left, and called in sick. <laughs> Didn't come back from the smoke break. Was like, that's it. I'm out. <laughs> I'd never, ever heard of anything like that before. I was brilliant. And to this day, I still want to use that. I think I've told Sean that a couple times. Like, hey, man, I got to run to my car real quick and call you sick. <laughs> hey, you got to do what you got to do. You guys had the glamorous jobs, though. You guys had the really upper echelon jobs. I worked at a steakhouse, a very busy, popular, the only high-end restaurant in the whole area, and I was a busboy. There was a whole crew of us busboys, and we got paid a $20 bill at the end of the night under nice. the table. Oh, wow. We would get there before opening. We'd get there like 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and we'd start out by sweeping everything, and then we'd wrap potatoes, and we'd put them in this weird, like it looked like a a microwave slash refrigerator, and all it did was bake potatoes. But anyway, I was a workaholic, and I would overdo it, run up and down the stairs, run hot glasses, you know, everything that a busboy is supposed to do times 10, until one of the older guys came back. He had worked there for years and years, and then he left, and then we were in a pinch. And so he came back to work one weekend, and I got to work a shift with him, and he showed me the dark side. And I learned the worst habits, including he said we were getting ready to go bust some tables. And he said, no, 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 wait, let those other idiots go do that. And I was like, huh? Because I would always be the first one to run out with my tray and, and just just tear, you know, bust ass. He was like, no, nah, let those idiots do that. Stop go, overachieving, kid. <laughs> and I go, OK, well, what are we going to do? He goes, wait till they finish with that private room. We're going to go clean that private room. Because the, the building had like three or four great big party rooms. Mm-hmm. So the party room clears out and he says, all right, let's go. So the two of us go to clean the party room. We walk in, close the door behind us. 
he proceeds to sling his bus tray down, sit down in the chair, put his feet up on the table, open up a bottle of mixer and start drinking it from the bottle and just sit there, put his arms behind his head and look around. He said, this is what you do. This is this is why you clean the private rooms. And then he starts looking around on the table, you know, for any loose extra dollars in the tips that might be out there and, you know, looking for anything else that might be of any value or that might be interesting to him. And I'm like, wow, you mean this is what happens? (laughs) (laughs) I thought I I was supposed to, like, do my job, but this is great. Blew my mind. I had never even thought about any of this stuff. Like, you can drink these ginger ales. (laughs) You can eat the captain's wafers. You have got to be kidding me right now. You know. Oh, that was the worst when you're like you're working your shift and you're starving. Yeah. And it's like oh, you just like grab some Captain wafers and dip them in the ranch. That was the best. Mm-hmm. My that that water park. It was they used to have food left over, and so we'd be like, all right, I'll eat this day old, or you know what I mean, end of the day burger or chicken sandwich or whatever. And the upper upper management would be like, no. If you can eat it, you can pay for it. Oh, so yeah. If you're not going to pay for it, throw it in the dumpster. And it was like, oh. so, but I would show them on the way to the dumpster, I would snack. I <laughs> 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 got a handful of old, nasty uh, curly fries, and I would just be like, oh, nah, 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 I don't care. I'll show you. Nah, nah, nah. Dude, you're poor and you're starving. It's like <laughs> I'm eating that leftover pizza that they did not eat off that giant tray. <laughs> This yeah. place used to cut their own steaks, and for us, after we finished doing all the setup work, all the cleanup work, setting up the salad bars, everything else, we would get to eat what they called a steak scrap, which after they cut all their steaks, everything that was left, they would let us buy the scrap of our choosing for $1. And mm-hmm. when I say scrap, I mean scrap. And if you didn't get there right at the beginning, you would get a nice hard piece of gristle, maybe with some fat on it if you were lucky. And if you did get there at the end, all you got was gristle. Oh. And and that was your dinner. You'd get a steak scrap and uh, water, basically. <laughs> and then you got to work until closing. Then you got to take everything down, take all the salad bar stuff and put it away, clean right. up everything. And they, there was a rotation of who got to stand on the charcoal grill, they would take one two by four <laughs> and you got to stand on the charcoal grill and melt your shoes and clean the grease trap above your head yes. while standing on the burning charcoal grill. And then while the owners and the managers would sit and drink their tall beers with salt in them, I'll never forget that. They would put salt in their beer at the end of the night and sit there and drink that. Then they'd hand us each a $20 bill and send us off on our way at you know, you 11 sure o'clock. This- are you sure you're not confusing this with your prison farm stint? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very similar. No, at the prison farm, they had to give you a full meal. <laughs> there, was, there was one place that hired me, and there you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, we're going to pay you, I swear. Just keep coming into work. We're going to pay you. <laughs> and oh, what no. they would do is I was underage, and they were like, all right, well, here, you can sit at the bar and have a few drinks after work. That's fine. Mm. And I was yeah. like, this is great. All right. And then they Meanwhile, never paid you? Yeah, no, I, I actually to the point where and this is my dad's a lawyer. And so we actually had to go to labor court because they <gasps> oh, didn't. Oh, bro, come on. They never paid me. And uh, I still, unfortunately, even though I got the decision, they were so bankrupt at that they point. St- <laughs> still never you, paid you? Still never paid me. But 
I did learn how to take how to peel uh, shrimp, which is super great. That's a great you, skill to know how to peel do and shrimp. Do you do it with a fork or with a knife? I use a knife. I use my hands yeah. and a knife. Good. I don't. Oh, use, but, and I don't use that stupid plastic thing that they sell. That's crap. Oh no, those are all. I just use my thumbs. I'm supposed to use a knife. Yeah, you gotta use a knife to cut down the back. You got to butterfly the back, take the vein out. That's where all the poop is. Exactly. That you got to get that poop out. Yeah. Why is everybody so concerned with the vein in a shrimp? That does not bother me one little bit. It's poop. It no, it's is not. Straight poop. Yeah, it, it's it guts. No. It's just well, a little it's, bit. It's shrimp poop. Yeah, it's that. The shrimp's intestines is running the whole length of his back. It's straight poop. But anyway, let's get off of that. But Maddie. <laughs> Back to you going through litigation. Listen, bro, you don't narc. You figure out a way to get what they owe you out of them in other ways. I'll give you an example. Yeah. <laughs> and let me say this, though, before we get to that. Oh, yeah. That restaurant, even though there were some questionable things going on, I loved those people. They were great people. And that family, I still know that family. They're not involved with the restaurant anymore. But I loved them. I learned so much from them. And mm-hmm. they they afforded me the opportunity to get one of my plane tickets to get to Miami to do my thing down there. So I loved them. I wish I wouldn't have done them dirty and quit on the fly like I did. But, man, I love those people, and I had a great time working there. No matter how many grisly steak scraps I ate or how many times I burned my <laughs> shoes cleaning a trap, it was still great. Is that place them. still open? It is. It's different management. It's like three families later in management, and it's not exactly the same, but God, I have great memories of that What's place. What's it called? And, uh, do I say after I said all those things? Sure. Why not? That was a long time ago. Middleburg Steakhouse is the name of the place, and okay. it, was such, it was such a cool thing later on in life to go back there and take my friends and family and... and you know, treat everybody to dinner when it was still the legendary Middleburg Steakhouse with the original family there. And just to be able to go in there and shake Tommy's hand and say, man, I always appreciated you. And, you know, tip the waitresses nice. It was just a great thing. I'm glad that you got a nice uh, follow-up. I tried to go back. Shout out to the Portsmouth Brewery in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. I, I went back there and, you know, we sat down with my family and everything. And I was like, you know, I used to work in the kitchen here. That's great. What do you want? <laughs> yeah, here he all is. Right. Sorry, all we right. don't remember. All right, stupid things. <laughs> all right, I, well, go ahead. My sh- my shout out is to the legendary chain of the graduate restaurants in Charlotte, which they were all sports bars and very cool, owned by the Macaluso family, a bunch of brothers that ran all these different ones. And oh my, the crew from the grad. I mean, I still to this day, I'm still friends with some of them. That was some of the best fun times in my life. Awesome. Let me tell Maddie how he should have handled his not getting paid thing, and oh, then I yeah. want to hear I want to hear your dessert story, Charlie. And then we got to wrap it up. We're running long, I think. All right. So my very very first job. This wasn't restaurant related. It was on a farm, and as you guys know, I was fired after one day. Um, <laughs> it had to do with my lack of skill in stacking wood. I had understood I was going to be working in tobacco. I got there and instead was told I was going to be cleaning out a barn. And I wasn't very interested in that. No. I was told to take wood from one corner and move it to another corner. So I stood where the wood was and threw it to the other side. The guy who was running the thing came and said, oh, no, you need to stack that neat. So I came, I figured out, okay, what I'll do is I'll stack wood on top of the stuff that I threw and make it look kind of neat. And so I did that until he told me just to stop and that's enough for today. Let's get you out of here. 
He never paid me for the work I did. Instead of following that up through court litigation, trying to sue him for the money, I found out a way to get my money back out of him. How's that? How was that? He had a Christmas tree lot. Okay. Okay. I got a free Christmas tree. <laughs> Does uh, he know you got a no, free Christmas no. tree? Just no, one? no. Yeah. It was a nice one. It was a nice, big, tall, full Christmas tree. So <laughs> that was also a long, long time ago. I think the statute of limitations on Christmas trees has run out by now. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, sir. <laughs> your Honor. All right. Now, Charlie, tell us about your dessert story. You mean the pot brownie story? Whoa, hey. <laughs> We try to raise kids out here. Ooh, how much time do we have left? This is kind of a, a good, a detailed story. Ah, do it. All right. So, when as Maddie mentioned earlier, you do learn some dark side of things when you're working in the restaurant business. A lot of young people, a lot of illicit drugs going around, whatevs. So, this one guy, he had gone to um, New York and had some hippie friends up there who apparently gave him a batch of pot brownies. So I had never, let's make this clear, at that point in my life, I had smoked pot, but I'd never eaten a pot brownie. So they come back and he brings them to work one night and everybody else is like, oh man, cool. This is awesome. Here, have a bite, have a bite. And I swear on my life that I ate a bite the size of a silver dollar. Next thing I know, we, it's Friday night. We're getting busy as can be, just slammed in the weeds, and I'm starting to hallucinate. The walls, nice. the walls are moving. Things are like, you know, in and out. I am just really starting to like freak out. And there's nothing I can do about it because there's nobody around. There's, I mean, everybody's working hard, and the rest of the people are just like, oh, this is fine. Ha <laughs> this is fun. And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah, I'm dying. So I finally tell my boss, because I didn't know what else to do. I was like really <laughs> freaking out. Well, he happens to be this super straight-laced guy, and he calls the Poison Control Center. And they're like, oh, take oh her God. to the hospital. <laughs> take her to the hospital. So he throws me in the car and takes me to the hospital. Again, oh Friday night in Charlotte. It's busy as can be at the emergency room. And he's <laughs> sitting there with me and he's like, okay, I got to get back to the restaurant. Like, we're super busy. Can Are you going to be okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And I'm like staring at the security guard in the emergency room thinking I'm going to get arrested. And I'm twiddling my thumbs and I'm just like really <laughs> freaking out. But because they were so busy, I sat there so long that I came down before ah, I, I actually... Before I actually saw a doctor. So I go over, this is how long ago it was. I go to the payphone and I call him and I'm like, John, can you come and get me? I think I'm okay. I'm cool now, man. (laughs) Seriously, you can come get me now. I want to go home now. Yeah. Unfortunately for that, and I still to this day feel awful. Oh, well, here's the best. So some people got let go because of it. And then shortly after that, I got let go. Not for the same reason, but they were just looking for one. But I found, come to find out, a few years later, I was legendary for all the wrong reasons for that story. It got to where <laughs> I had eaten the entire thing of pot brownies. Oh, yes. <laughs> And really started freaking out, losing my crap, and and they had to take me to the emergency room. It was 
a was, much bigger story than what actually happened. You should have seen it, man. She ate us more than I've ever seen anybody eat in, a, in their life at once. Yeah. That was the story that got around. <laughs> She freaked out Ozzy Osbourne, man. (laughs) Then she snorted them all. Keith Keith Richard was there and it's like, man, she's got issues. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that was me. (laughs) All right, everybody, stay cool, stay at home. They say that this is the most important time for you to not make any extra trips. I actually saw on our Facebook page today, don't go to the grocery store for two weeks if you can help it. If you absolutely have to go get your medicine or something like that or You've got to get your stuff to make chicken salad. you got to do what you got to do. But stay where you are. Do your social distancing so we can all get through this as fast as possible. We love you. Next time. Any parting words over there, Charlie? Don't eat pot brownies. <laughs> Just don't. Maddie? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I say support local restaurants. They need your money. And... uh yeah, you can learn and to a the lot servers. The yeah, it's okay to eat the curly fries on the way to the dumpster. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Be cool. Next time. See you. Thanks. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.